0: Hi, this is Manu Interame. I played Echeb on Star Trek Voyager, and you're listening to TrekMate. TrekMate presents an interview with Manu Interame. This interview was conducted by Kate Walsh on March 4, 2014. I'd like to thank both Kate and Manu for their time, and we hope you enjoyed the interview. Make sure to head on over to our forum at forum.trekmatefamily.com and let us know what you thought of the interview. And of course, let Kate and Manu know on Twitter you can find Kate at Kate is great okay and Manu at Manu Interame. On with the interview.
1: I'm joined today by a guest who's best known to Trekmate listeners for the role of Echep on Star Trek Voyager, and that's Manu Interame. Welcome, Manu. Hi. Um, thank you for joining me today. Uh, it's a pleasure, and I do appreciate your time. You're um,
0: very welcome. Um,
1: Star Trek uh, Voyager fans know you. For playing Icheb, but I understand that wasn't um, the role you were originally hoping to audition for, is that correct?
0: Actually, the it wasn't that I was hoping to audition for anything, but the, the role I originally auditioned for was the character in Collective That Dies, the, the first Borg. I think his name was First. Yep. Um, and I didn't get the role and they offered me the other part of of second. And um, at the time, I remember being a little depressed because I wanted to play the bad guy, but I didn't have any idea that they were going to continue the character on, and they were actually giving me the better role. So um, it was just kind of one of those lucky situations where you don't get the role you want, but the universe has something else in store for you.
1: Absolutely. And and at what point did did you realize this could be something bigger because you ended up doing 11 episodes of Voyager? Was yeah. it was it kind of piecemeal that it just they just kind of kept on adding on bits or were you given a perspective at a certain time that we're actually looking to make this more of a recurring character?
0: No, they kept me pretty much in the dark and uh, almost if if you notice all of the each episodes quite a few of them, probably two-thirds of them, he almost dies. So <laughs> they always kept me on my toes, uh, and th- I would always think, okay, this is my final episode. And then I would basically come on the show every other, other episode. So there would be a, an episode and a couple episode gap, and then I'd be back. I guess I started to get a hint that I was probably going to stick around when the child's play episode came out where they based the episode around him and his parents and that, that whole
1: Mm.
0: story, I figured, okay, he's, he's on the ship now. He's a big part of the show. Maybe he's going to hang around. And then I remember the beginning of season seven, the first page of the first script, Janeway says, we found a home for some of our most precious cargo and they're sending the kids home. Hmm. And I thought, oh man, right in the beginning of season seven, they're going to send me back. But then they ended up, you know, sending the the little children home and keeping me on board. And f- from that point on, I, you know, I Brandon Braga had come down to the set and shook my hand and said, uh, well done on Child's Play and we like having you here. Mm. And that was enough for me to pretty much understand that I was going to keep appearing on the show but they hired me per episode um all the way till the last final episode
1: and it it would have been quite easy for them to have written you out along with the other children at that point so that's quite good news um you I also uh, noticed that was pretty much the turning point as well for when Icheb really started to grow up and become a more mature member of the crew he was a little bit. he was going through that resistant teenager kind of stage early on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought it was funny because I, I was 21 when I got the role mm-hmm. and he was, they wrote him very young in the beginning and you're right, Um, right when Child's Play started, it, he became more of a man and uh, he progressively became more of a, a, a man instead of a boy.
1: I mean, for you as well. Star Trek Voyager was your first major acting job. What was that like for you as a learning experience as a young actor at the time?
0: That's actually not true. I I had done a a few films before Mm. Star Trek Voyager. Um, I had done Go, uh, a a film by um, David. Oh, gosh, that's lame that I don't know his name. Um, But the director that did the Jason Bourne series and... um, Mm. I should have my resume in front of me. It was a long time ago, but I'd also done a film called Whatever It Takes with Colin Hanks and James Franco and um, Shane West and Aaron Paul, and um, so I'd been around and I'd done other guest star spots on different television shows, King of Queens and Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and so I definitely had, you know, my I knew what I was doing by the mm-hmm. time I got that part on Voyager. But it was the first show that people started to recognize me from. Sure. So what was the final part of the question?
1: I guess what was it like as a learning experience for you? I mean, these were, were quite oh, seasoned was... actors you're working with on an ongoing basis. And Star Trek's yeah. a completely different kind of setup and to a lot of other TV shows.
0: Yeah, they hire good actors and often they hire theatrically trained actors and Shakespearean actors because of all the, all the Star Trek television shows, there's kind of that Star Trek delivery that all the actors have. It's, you know, it's halfway between stage and film. Um, it's just slightly over the top. And it was, I mean, as far as it's, learn a learning experience it was epic i mean um every one of the cast i thought was a phenomenal actor and i was young and i stole as much technique as i could from each and every one of them it was two years of incredible growth as an actor i mean to steal from jerry ryan and kate and and uh, bob picardo and and just everybody Uh, ethan phillips is Who, by the way, is doing so good these days? Uh, Just did an awesome role in that Inside Lula Davis Coen Brothers movie. Mm. Great people, lots of talent, and yeah, I took as much as I could, especially for you know film acting. There's there's all these little tricks you can do with your eyes and your clenching your as simple as you know clenching your jaw muscles or looking down and looking up right before action. There's just all these small things you can do to look better on film. And all those actors on Voyager, you know, had all the tricks in the book. So I took as many as I could.
1: I was reviewing the episodes that Icheb appeared in prior to talking to you today. And uh, one of the things that stood out to me, looking at them as a whole and, and, Just bear with me on on this. I'm I'm going to go through a few examples. But it occurred to me that Ichev was pretty much the highest achiever of the entire crew. And the reason Mm. I say this is because he was brilliant at astrophysics, temporal mechanics, genetics, had an interest in geology. He designed a gravimetric sensor array to detect wormholes, a genetic resequencing procedure to enable himself to survive without a Borg node, he was great at repairing ship systems and diagnosing problems, and he was taking piloting lessons from Tom Paris. Now, when the Borg twins sculpted cubes for their creative lesson with Seven, he did a 26-sided polyhedron. He wrote a (laughs) 35-chapter report on Captain Kirk, and he (laughs) even managed to beat Tuvok at Kautau. Now, given everything that he managed to achieve in just, and that's 11 episodes, mind you. (laughs) Is there anything else that you wish Icheb had been able to achieve as a character, whether it had been in like a season eight of Voyage or even a Starfleet Academy series, if we had had that?
0: Well, yeah, at the time, um, during the filming of season seven, every time I was on set, people were whispering part different part people on the crew were you know the gossip was out that star trek academy was going to be the next series mm-hmm. and so everybody was like get ready your contract's coming you're gonna probably mm. be on the next series and so yeah of course i wish they would have decided to go with academy instead of enterprise but you know okay what will be will be and i, I don't have any regrets i was thankful for what i got to do on that show it was um you know quite it got two years work you know uh, 11 episodes doesn't sound like a whole lot but when um, it comes to getting the work done it was two years of you know pretty much constant employment and um i wished as far from a writer's perspective and just to to each horn i wish they would have given him credit for you know, he had the virus in his bloodstream that mm. killed Borg. And in the final episode, Janeway uses a weapon that I don't remember it very clearly. But at the time, I remember thinking, where did they get that weapon from? It had to be from Icheb's blood. Mm. I don't know if that was my ego at the time, just being full of crap or,
1: or whatever. Or
0: <laughs> um, but I wish he would have got credit for that. Uh, the weapon design, um, and then otherwise, I always wanted to to see Echeb get a chance to loosen up. You know, he was very serious, and um, I, I wanted to get a chance to do one of those uh, episodes where they go on the holodeck and they go back in time, or they, you know, go somewhere f- where Icheb could have, you know, been funny and and mm-hmm. loosened up and. Been someone else. Um, I always love those episodes where they they're on the holodeck the whole time. And uh, what was that? What's that farming community or whatever that?
1: Oh, um, Fairhaven.
0: Yeah, you know, um, episodes like that. I wanted to see each of in a different light. You know, um, mm. have him be able to crack jokes and have fun, and um,
1: maybe some romance.
0: Well, you know, we kind of got a little bit of romance <laughs> with that episode, Nightingale, where he thought that uh, Belana had a crush on him. That was kind of fun. There, I did a lot of things during that episode that, you know, of course, didn't make the final cut because they were absurd, like reaching out and touching her hair and <laughs> things like that. Um, but... We we had a lot of fun shooting that episode. That was uh, I remember just goofing around with Roxana. That was a blast. Yeah, but romance would have been good. Um,
1: he never really did go there with Seven, though, did he? Well, she's Seven for the mother figure.
0: Yeah, that's what I had to keep telling myself as a young man hanging around <laughs> with Jerry Ryan. You know, um, she's so beautiful and so funny. And she was dating Brandon Braga at the time, so there's no way I could flirt with her and get away with it. I'd get fired. So <laughs> I just, you know, had to keep telling myself that uh, this is my mom, this is my mom, this is my mom.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, Ichev did have quite a few funny moments um, as well. I know he, he was serious at times, but uh, you mentioned the kind of pseudo-romance happening with Balana and uh the little bit of rivalry with Tom in that episode as well where he thought Tom was challenging him to a Klingon ritual for Balana and then he found the um, the parasite lodged in her stomach which of course yeah. is a baby and, um, and then there's the great episode um, where he, he's interacting with Q Junior and he comes up with the nickname Q Ball and yeah. each of his name itchy and you know, this is quite funny moments for this character as well. Uh, that
0: is the one time he got to loosen up a little bit with Q. You're right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a fun episode. Um, he's gone on to become like a, a diplomat for um, he's doing like big things that could, but um, Delancey's son, mm. he's not an actor anymore, but he's a, like a diplomat, a, some huge post for our government I'm not sure exactly what but
1: well what I guess what I was wondering is given that um you know there are those kind of comedic moments that were starting to come in for for Icheb, but we also had the really dramatic stuff like um imperfection which was such a touching episode for Icheb and, and Seven as an actor do you have a, a preferred style that you that you're more comfortable with and that, that you're drawn towards in the roles that you choose?
0: Um, I know what I'm good at. Uh, I don't think I have a, a preferred... Uh, my curse is I, I've always been a, a funny... Uh, comedy comes really easy to me and mm. I'm kind of goofy looking. I can make myself pretty goofy looking pretty quickly. Um, so but then i've always wanted to be a very serious dramatic and actor and respected like up there in the the, the guys that i think you know are the the best in the world um um daniel day lewis and you know roles mm-hmm. of that caliber are things that i dream about playing um but comedy always seems to be the place where I, i'm probably gonna break through um when the day happens and um I, you know, break through to the A-list. It's probably going to be through something funny. But at the same time, I hope it isn't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, you know, I play a lot of bad guys too lately, but I still have this kind of baby face that um, I really have to blow the casting directors away to get away with playing these villains. But um, recently on One Tree Hill, the final season, I got to play this pretty vicious Uh, kidnapper and um, villain on the six episodes of the final season of that show and he was a miserable uh, terrible irredeemable person um, and well written so that's that's kind of fun I guess I just prefer whether it's the hero or the villain or the goofy sidekick or whatever as long as it's well written and, and as long as the story is interesting I I'm excited to be there. Mm. Um, Unfortunately, I've done a few B-films where the writing wasn't good and it's never really fun to to work on something you're not proud of. So Mm. just well-written roles, you know. If if the words are good, I'm excited to be there.
1: Recently you've um, finished working on uh, Star Trek Renegades and um, that's actually a much darker perspective on Star Trek than what we're used to. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and Echeb's and role within it?
0: Yeah. Originally on Star Trek Renegades, the first screenplay they wrote, I was ecstatic about because it was really dark and really bloody. And it was, I don't know if Roddenberry would have approved of how dark it was, but, I thought, just for the sake of seeing something different,
1: mm.
0: we should go for it. And I think Renegades will still be a, a good film, but they decided to rewrite the screenplay and take a lot of that darkness out. I would say it's still a, a look at the, a darker side of the Star Trek universe, but it, it's not at all the hard R um, version that it was going to be so it, it became a whole lot more what's it called canon and a whole lot of what you're used to mm-hmm. um, it, it's still an, a, a very interesting story because it's about a bunch of characters that used to be Federation uh, including Icheb um, who s- have seen some of the, the sickness that like the, the black ops part of the Federation, the CIA or the NSA type of, um, you know, dirty deeds that are under the surface of um, section 31. And Icheb has been very wronged by the Federation. He signed up for a program to help people that had been assimilated um, and dealt with the Borg before to, what he thought was a program to help them deal with their lives, so he could in turn teach them how to find an individuality, etc. Yeah, but it turned out that it was really a program to hook him up with a bunch of new Borg technology and make him an assassin and a killer for uh, dark projects in in, in Section Thirty One. So unbeknownst to him he was knocked out and they put all these new horrible weapons into his system um, and he came out of it sort of sociopathic and and um he has a real war within himself because he's such a weapon now instead of uh you know he's so he's fighting with his whole Idea of who he is um, and what he stands for, mm-hmm. and everybody on the crew of the Renegade ship is kind of being used as like a Tuvok and and um, Chekhov are running this are running the, the the missions that this crew is going on, but the crew is not federation they're they're basically just like a bunch of renegades Mm. thus the title um and but they're still working for the federation um because tuvok and chekhov basically have something on all the characters that they're basically blackmailing them to keep doing what they're doing so it's a really it's a it's a neat look at you know morality and and Good, who's the good guy and what makes a hero and what makes a good guy and um, a lot of these characters in Renegades are anti-heroes which is kind of fun
1: well, We've got you know quite a few Star Trek, um, former Star Trek uh, cast in this movie as well as um, Corin Nemec and Edward Furlong too so it looks like a really good cast but one thing I was, um, was wanting to run by you is Ethan Phillips is in the movie is he playing Neelix and so how does he come into the storyline given that he was off in the Delta Quadrant?
0: You know, unfortunately, we didn't get Ethan to be in the film. He was originally, so much uh, stuff happened oh. towards the last six months of preparing to shoot that movie. Ethan got a play uh, in Boston with Brian Cranston from uh, Breaking Bad. And so he couldn't make it. And so at the very last minute, Edward Furlong took his role. Edward was going to play a role anyway, but they switched Edward Furlong to Ethan Phillips' role. Mm. And um, originally, Ethan was going to play this character called Fixer that is uh, like this really kind of crazy mechanic that can fix anything. And he's got all these tools and he's... it. Uh, I think Ethan would have been incredible and really funny as that guy, mm. um, but e- Eddie did a great job of it. So, but I was really looking forward to working with Johnny, uh, Ethan. Sorry um, again, and uh, that was like a, maybe the the biggest letdown was just not getting to work with Johnny on Renegades because um, he was going to be there and he's such a funny guy. He brings the set to life. He's just uh, the guy's got so much energy and. He collects jokes and he's constantly telling jokes um so yeah it would have been fun to have him but he didn't make it
1: that is a shame a, a project that you have uh, been working on for quite a long time and, and you've been uh producing it as well is benjamin troubles can mm-hmm. you tell us um, a bit about that what we can expect to see from that movie
0: yeah i'm excited it's it's my first real venture as a executive producer or a co-executive producer and um It's a a half a million dollar dark comedy about uh, a street painter, a kid that, you know, has had a rough time growing up and has been, you know, had sold drugs and had gone to, you know, the the darker sides of life. But then he'd cleaned up his act and he'd got away from, you know, the criminal element that he was working with and found himself a girlfriend and found himself a passion in, in painting and art. And... The be- the movie begins with this character having just about the worst day you could possibly have, and ending up on the street. And a bum gives him a pair of blue jeans, and he puts them on. And it turns out that this bum is, you know, some sort of spiritual mad magician, and he gives him this pair of pants that makes a hundred dollar bill on the hour, every hour, appear in the pocket of the jeans. The money, because all of a sudden this kid has a ton of money, the criminal element that used to be involved in his life comes sneaking back in, wanting to know where he got this money from, mm-hmm. and he has a romance with the the lead criminal's daughter. So it's about them trying to get away from. It's like a you know a dark comedy romance, fast paced kind of uh, Guy Ritchie type of film where. Mm-hmm. If you had all the money in the world, would that fix everything for you or not? Um, So it's called Benjamin Troubles. And, uh, yeah, we've been working on it for a long time. But we're so close to being finished. It's finally a light at the end of the tunnel.
1: Uh, um, Um, Is that looking to be be coming out so we can see it?
0: Well, we should be finished uh, with the edit in the next three weeks at the very most, I have to still, I have to lay down the voiceover, and then the film will be done. And then we will probably be at the Cannes market in at the Cannes festival in May. Uh, and we'll probably figure out from there where, where and when and how the film will be distributed. Otherwise, we'll be going around the festival circuit in America for the next half a year or a year or so. Um, seeing how the film will be distributed. But as soon as we find out uh, where and when, I'll I'll definitely announce that and it'll be announced and marketed, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But at the moment, I don't know when it's coming out. I just know that it will at some point. Great. Uh,
1: We spoke a little bit about Renegades and, and you're working with Tim Russ, but I've heard that you've actually signed on to a new project that involves Tim and maybe Ethan as well.
0: Actually, there's two projects that I think I'm going to work with Tim and Ethan on. One is a project called Dark River that I'm currently raising financing for, um, which is a a modern-day deliverance. And the other is a a film called The Fifth Passenger that a friend of mine wrote, and he's raising money for as well. And I think I want Ethan and Tim to be in both. Ethan and Tim are not signed on but they've they've signed letters of intent meaning they're interested and they want to work on the 5th passenger mm-hmm. um, and there's a trailer for it and uh, a website if you go to www.fifthpassenger.com with a 5 5 t h passenger.com um, and it's a really it's going to be a great great film when they finally get all the money they're going to need to make it it's a a space creature feature um, it's a brilliant script uh, with an awesome twist ending, and um, it's basically about five people stuck in a a lifeboat. Well, not a lifeboat, but a, a life pod that has gotten blown off this gigantic ship out into deep space, and they're trying to figure out how to get saved before their oxygen and their food runs out. But then they run into uh, a lot of different problems, including an alien it's just such a brilliant script. I can't say anything about the script because mm-hmm. I don't want to give it away. You know, it's, a, it's a really, really smart movie. So i um, excited to get to that when they
1: get the financing ready. I have um, have read a little bit about it and it, it did seem really interesting. And uh, yeah, anyone that loves, uh, uh, or, I don't know, it's sci-fi and kind of horror and space action, it, it looked really cool. Yeah.
0: It's, it's a really good mix of genres. It's a really smart movie. Um, so we are crossing our fingers. They just got a new producer that's excited about it. So um, hopefully they'll have the money soon and we'll be shooting.
1: Well, um, just to wrap up, uh, a question I wanted to uh, to ask you, and it's a little bit reflective. but um,
0: That's all right. I'm what... a little bit reflective.
1: <laughs> okay. So when you, you get to ripe old age and you're ready to retire from Hollywood, what is it that you want to look back on? on your career and and hope that you've achieved?
0: I don't ever want to retire. I want to die on a film set. I couldn't imagine ever quitting. I I have this saying that I always say in my life in general, and that's art until death. I just, I want to keep creating until I cannot speak or leave this planet. Um, But I would like to look back on as much work you know, you, when you do a project that counts for something, you know it. Um, I was watching the Oscars last night, and the films this year were so good, and so many of them touched me in a, a really deep, deep way. You know, it made me cry. Um, it made me feel really connected to humanity. And, and, for instance, that American Hustle film I thought was just such a beautiful... Film and and portrayed exactly what humanity is. You know, you had all these characters, but there were no good guys or bad guys. You know, the 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 line of morality was up in the air. You know, it was just human. You know, mm. um, so I'd like to look back on a career that that had films that touched people um, as many as possible. You know, I want to know that. That I made something that that made any audience member who watch it feel connected to what we are as a species, and it's a rare opportunity that you get to work on projects that accomplish that. Mm. Um, Star Trek is one of them that I'm just I'm I'm very proud of because I know uh, a lot of those episodes touched people. For for instance, the that episode Imperfection, I've gotten a lot of. Thank yous for from from people with um, you know that had gone through kidney transplants or or things of that nature. and i've they've told me thank you for getting there, you know, that the episode helped them get through that. and mm-hmm. um, you know, it was about making a sacrifice for someone you love. And I knew when I read that script I actually, this is a a little sappy, but I called my mother and started crying on the phone to her because I'm like, "Mom, I'm finally going to get to do something that that affects people," you know. <laughs> and uh, it was, you know, it was a really great, great moment, and I want as many of those as possible. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's a lot of competition out here, so it's tough to it's tough to get those roles, but. I want to look back and just be proud of the work and I want more of it. You know, mm. I I appreciate Voyager and I appreciate Star Trek and I, I love being a part of the, the franchise, but I want to do something else. You know, I want to do something just as big. Sure. And, and really I want a film career. You know, I, I want, I want to make movies. Although, Television is a powerful medium, especially these days, you know, with all the great Showtime and HBO shows, it would be brilliant to be a part of one of them. Uh, True Detective, have you seen that yet? I haven't, no. It's an amazing series uh, with Matthew McConaughey and and, um, Woody Harrelson. And it's great because it's just about two detectives and one of them is a, a pessimist and humanist atheist and the other is a hardcore christian and, and they're going after this murderer that's just really really sick but it's it's about the you know those two personalities teaming up to try to accomplish something um and it's a fantastic show it's so good
1: so would you consider tv again in the right kind of role
0: oh absolutely you know as long i i what I've decided just recently in the last couple of years is as long as the project says something um, speaks to me and has a chance to affect people in a in a not necessarily even in a positive way I you know horror films are great too I love scaring the pants out of people because mm. I love getting scared myself you know when I watch a, a, a great horror film so as long as I can be proud of the work, I recently quit uh, a film that I didn't think was going to be very good. I had the lead role in it, but me and the director didn't see eye to eye. So uh, I thought he wasn't going to make a very good film. And I thought he was going to make my performance bad and the film uh, sort of a B-movie. And and so I decided that it wasn't going to be for me. Um, Then you just have to walk from those kind of projects. I, I want to be proud of everything that I do or at least know that I, I gave gave it everything that I could, you know.
1: Sure, that's understandable. Yeah. Well, just um, wrapping up, uh, if if any of our listeners want to, you know, to, to keep in touch with your work and what's going on um, through social media, for example, how can they do that?
0: Um, they can... Go to my Facebook fan page. I run it myself, and I, I answer all the questions on there. And that's at www.facebook.com backslash Manu Entereme. And I also answer my Twitter feed. It's just at manuente That's M-A-N-U-I-N-T-I-R-A-Y-M-I.
1: And I understand and, you also have a page uh, for the artwork that you do.
0: Yeah, I've been painting quite a bit lately with my girlfriend, Lauren Haley, um, and you can see some of that art on www.facebook.com backslash greatart1234. Excellent. And it's called FBA Collective. It's uh, it's uh, At the moment, it's just a bunch of paintings that we've done and showed... At different galleries around the city and etc. Um, a few of the paintings are in Benjamin Troubles as well, um, and we sell them to raise money for my upcoming films. But mostly, we just want people to look at them more than anything. That's why it's there. Um, and um, yeah, I love. I, I just found a love for painting a few years ago. I'm, I'm really getting into it. I think that's why I like film and acting more than anything else is because I've always thought film is basically you take every great art there is, architecture, photography, makeup, hair, design, wardrobe, acting, painting, digital effects, you know, writing every art in the history of mankind and you smush them all together and make a movie. Mm. Um, And when it goes right, it's one of the most beautiful things that, and most fulfilling things that, you know, you can do um, as an artist. So that's where I'm going to focus most of my attention. But in the meantime, it's fun to splatter paint on canvas and try to touch people that way too.
1: Well, thank you for your time today, Manu. It's um, been a pleasure talking with you. And I wish you well with your uh, forthcoming projects. Uh, and we'll certainly be keeping an eye out for those. So we've got uh, Benjamin Troubles, we've got Fifth Passenger, uh, Renegades. Um, and, um, yeah, there's lots happening for you right now. So that's really good to hear.
0: Yeah. Keep your eye out for, for Dark River. And mm-hmm. for um, there's also a film coming out with, like, 30 star trek actors in it called unbelievable that should be out in a year or so um it's a space farce a sci-fi farce where all of us you know like one of those naked gun type of films Mm -hmm. about plant monsters from outer space that are coming and turning everybody into plants and um there's a puppet from (laughs) the lead character is a puppet um, based off Captain Kirk and um, it's it's done by the guys that that did Team America World Police if you've ever seen that film um, and it's it should be a pretty hilarious movie uh, and there's like you know 30, 27 or something like that uh, Star Trek actors from the different shows and the different movies um, all playing the roles so that'll be a fun one too.
1: That does sound fun
0: yeah
1: As I said, good luck with everything, and it was a pleasure talking to you today.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.